Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan presents the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. Hour number two, Dan Jacobs show. Going along. Got the uh, Ramaswala.com text line. So we're talking about this idea. Do the Broncos have a rival right now? Right? So Frank Clark coming out yesterday saying, hey, he's asked about the Broncos Chiefs, Chiefs rivalry, and he was with the Chiefs. It's like, dude, that wasn't a rivalry. We won every time. Like, every time. It's 15 in a row. That's not a rivalry. It's got to be competitive. If one side wins every time, it's not a rivalry. I remember, and I remember it used to drive the Dave Platty little baddie. The, Dave Platty was the um, CU, uh, legendary CU communications guy for CU. Uh, and uh, But CJ, our, our old friend Charles Johnson, CJ, would always say, oh, there's no rivalry with the, with uh, CSU. They're the little brother. They're, they represent nothing to us. And, of course, then Nebraska would also say that about CU. Right? They'd be like, oh, they're not our rival. OU's our rival. Or I, I think that's who Nebraska used to say. So it's kind of funny. Um, but Frank Clark was just saying, hey, man, it's not competitive. So then I brought up yesterday, like I brought this up to Richie and DMAC that had come on the show. I'm like, well, then who exactly is the Broncos' rival? Because they haven't beaten anybody on a consistent basis. For the last seven years, right? Like, like, okay, well, do that. I mean, they they they've reached up and nipped the Chargers a couple times, actually. Like, like Justin Herbert. Like, you, we're expecting, we're all waiting for that time when Justin Herbert just you know knocks everybody's socks off and and becomes you know the next Joe Burrow or Josh Allen, and he hasn't done it yet. So the Broncos, you know, I guess maybe their most success has been against the Chargers. Like, they really haven't beaten the Raiders at all. They had that, what we were talking about yesterday was, Fangio had that one win late, and that was only because Gruden was tanking for draft position, right? Like, the Raiders tied it up, or, well, they didn't tie it up because they lost, but they they scored late, and all they had to do was kick a field goal to go into overtime, and, and this was the last game of the season, and they said, now nah, we'll go for two. And they didn't get the two-point conversion, and they lost. And he literally didn't care because they weren't going to the playoffs. And if they win, they lose the draft, you know, the draft position. So, you know, they tanked it. And so I think that's the one win that the Broncos have had against the Raiders in forever. So um, it's like, who would you say their rival is? Which is sad. Like, the the, the state of the team has been so bad they don't even have a rival because that's <laughs> saying something so a couple of the texts here are they say um the broncos may have a new rival now the new york jets maybe sean payton is as regrettable as a fox and i don't know what that means so feel free to follow up and um tell me what the term regrettable as a fox means i i, I did uh 
I agree with Petra. I was saying this yesterday. And I can't remember who I had on. I had a lot of guests on yesterday. But somebody said, well, he apologized. I'm like, what? He didn't really apologize. And they said, well, maybe he was apologizing to Sean Payton. Because, I mean, he went blowtorch. Flamethrower, Sean Payton did. Unlike Tamani Leach and um, Sean Payton and the organization, like, and PR. He pulled no punches. Like like most, even if you were going to throw Hackett under the bus, well, he's not here anymore, but to, to lay waste to George Payton like that, that's pretty remarkable. And so I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Richie. Said, well, because I said, who? He didn't apologize. What he came out and said was, I shouldn't have done it. I, 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 I told my team, I can't come out here and say anonymous donor and don't pop off when I'm out there running my mouth. That's essentially what he said. He did, But he, I, I never heard an apology. Maybe I missed it. And maybe he did apologize to the people insulted and completely threw under the bus. By the way, do you respect a coach that's throwing his own te- you know teammates, so to speak, George Payton's his teammate. Now, obviously, I love it. Like, we're all here for it. Get your popcorn ready. Of course we love it. But, I mean, do do you think they respect him over there? Do you think George Payton respects him more? Do you think Demonte Leach? I mean, you got to remember, dude, that's what got Mike Shanahan, if you believe the reporting. Mike Shanahan overstepped his bounds with Joe Ellis, and when Pat Bowen, unfortunately... Started, you know, losing, uh, you know, his capabilities due to Alzheimer's. Joe Ellis pounced and step, you know, was able to, you know, convince Pat Bowen Mike Shanahan was the problem. Like, I don't know if you want to really want to be going after the president of the team, man. And here's the deal with Sean Payton, and I, I still believe. He's the, he was the right guy for the job, and they need a strong leader like him. But, dude, his mouth is running some checks that his butt better be able to cash because he is going scorched earth on seemingly everybody. And I agree with James Merlitz. It's like saying, all right, you can do that, but you better win, dude. And here's the problem. It ain't going to be fine in Broncos country if you're scratching out a bunch of mediocre seasons. And here's what we know. There ain't a coach in the league that wins championships consistently without a quarterback. And quite frankly, I think that's why he cashed in his chips and quit in New Orleans. Because he didn't have a quarterback. And he's like, I don't want to do this without a quarterback because I know if I go to Fox, I can then call my shot somewhere else. And if it doesn't work out with... Russell Wilson, what is he going to do? Because they're not going to tank, and he's not going to be around long enough for them to tank and get a number one draft pick. And they're not going to be able to do something again to pull off and get another quarterback, man. Because when you're running your mouth like this, you got to win right away. And so it's got to work with Russell Wilson. And then they're in the, t- they're in the toughest conference in football. Like, they're in a tough spot. Like, he's got to, he's literally going to have to win 12 games. Like, he said in that article, well, I, I'll be very disappointed if we don't make the playoffs. Like, they are in such a tough spot with that Russell Wilson contract. 
Like, if, you know, like we're going to talk to Andrew Mason coming up next. When we talked to Andrew last week, he says, dude, if they win eight games, he's got to go because they got to bite the bullet on that contract sooner rather than later. Because you don't want to be two years from now with this, you know, having wasted all this time with Russell Wilson. You got to figure it out now because if he's not going to work out, you got to move on because you're just wasting time. So, all right, Sean Payton, like, you want to alienate? Because, you know, all right, fine, you want to alienate George Payton, fine. George Payton is only here to serve at the pleasure of Sean Payton. Like, if Sean Payton tomorrow said, hey, man, George Payton's got to go, George Payton's gone. Of that much, I'm certain. But, yeah, man, like, like Sean Payton, you better win, and you better resurrect Russ. And I just got to be honest with you, and it's early, and it's just training camp, and I don't take a whole lot from it, but I didn't see anything different. All this talk about it was going to be different than Coach Hackett, and I know what you've heard from everybody else on this station and everybody else in the media. I'm just here to tell you I will shoot you straight. And I heard excuses from every, and you know I love all my teammates here. Everybody I had on yesterday, excuse, excuse, excuse. Well, Dan, it's early. Dan, this. Well, Dan, what do you want? Dan, blah, 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 blah. There was nothing different than a Nathaniel Hackett press comp uh, practice when I went on Thursday. Not a darn thing that was different. There was no more intensity. It was. It was not full speed. And I know, yeah, you have to have a ramp-up period. That doesn't mean the effort and intensity and um, the the level of intensity from the coaching, the level of uh, – there are things that could be more intense on the football field. I'm not saying, okay, you can't have pads on. That's one thing. They weren't even practicing full out on special teams. I mean, I'm sitting there watching it. I'm like, huh, why aren't they doing full coverage on special teams right now? That's perplexing to me. And you can't tell me it's not allowed. You want to know why I know it is allowed? Because on the very last play of that particular special teams drill, they said, yeah, we're going to go full coverage on this one. And you know what happened? The punter shanked it badly, wildly out of bounds. Like it's, Maybe they should be practicing just like a game-type situation. So always... You would think the day after Sean Payton's running his mouth about whatever they did last year, we're doing the complete opposite. It was just as soft. And I hear, and this is what drives me nuts about my brothers. Oh, no. It was so bad with Coach Hackett. No, 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 no. They weren't saying that last year. There was there was commentary from, from us saying, well, you'd think it, they'd be practicing a little harder. And, and, and Coach Hackett was asked about it, and he would say, well, this is from, from a scientific standpoint. We aren't practicing as intensely or with pads and all that stuff. But I don't remember. I think a lot of this, though, is this criticism is hindsight about people saying, well, they don't know how to get in their drills and stuff during camp. I don't remember operationally a bunch of the media calling out Coach Hackett. I do remember them calling him out for saying practices are too short or they're not, um, you know, they're not padded enough and, and they are easy. That they did, media did say that. I don't remember because 
what I'm hearing now is, oh, dude, they're so much better. They're getting their drills better and this and that. Ah! I don't know about all that. But what I do know is practice I went to on Thursday, not more intense. And it was weird to me. And I'm thinking, uh, even, okay, if they got certain guys running special streams, uh, drills, and then other fields, largely empty. And I trust Sean Payton, and that's fine. I trust Sean Payton. Dude, he's got a track record of success. So I'm not second-guessing him. But when you're going to run your mouth about how it's going to be so much better and different, it wasn't different. And I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that, when they start hitting and they're allowed to hit, and then it, I guess maybe then the intensity will be, be better. I'm just saying, man, when you're going to come in here, like you're Bill Belichick or I guess Bill Parcells, because those are a dying breed, man. A dying breed. Even Bill, I, even, they're even talking about New England with, with, with Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. That ain't going to go on forever. Like if Belichick doesn't start winning, dude, he may not be there in two years. He may not be there after this year. Like, you have to win. And name me the coach in this league that wins championships consistently. I'm not saying, oh, well, okay, you know, they won one championship with Trent Dilfer here or there, or they won one championship with Joe Flacco. I'm saying that wins multiple championships with bad quarterbacks. Name me coaches that do that. It doesn't happen very often. And just be honest, you generally don't. I mean, there's only a handful of coaches that win multiple championships anyway, and almost all of those guys have had great quarterbacks. Now, Sean Payton's mentor, Bill Parcells, happens to be one that didn't. He had different quarterbacks. Okay. It's just a very, very small sample size. And so for for Sean Payton to, to come in here like this, um, when we don't know about Russell Wilson, I don't know, brother. I better work out. All right, coming up next, um, Andrew Mason joining us from the ballpark. He's having um, having himself a time. We'll uh, connect with him coming up next. Taking a break from laying down the law in the courtroom to lay down the law in the sports world. Here's Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. We go out to the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. Andrew Mason, the Broncos senior writer for DenverSports.com, joins us. How are you, Mr. Mason? Doing very well. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing great. You're at the ballpark. Um, you're a well-traveled man. Actually, you were, I'm going to bring this up to you because last night, uh, by the way, I enjoyed it. You were talking about all your favorite restaurants and stuff. You said the Z-Man sandwich in Kansas City is your favorite sandwich of all time. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Yes. Kansas City. So we're talking about uh, had Seren Petron from WHB in Kansas City talk about this rivalry thing. He mm-hmm. was he was saying that the Royals and the Chiefs both want to do their own little stadium stadium districts or whatever. Um, do you think that city would be able to support two separate villages or whatever? Oh, I mean, I, I don't know because. I mean, at the, okay, you've got a, you've got an area down t- by downtown, the Power and Light District there. Right. That's already become a gathering spot. In fact, it's, it's, it's actually a, a soccer hotspot because 
every time there's a U.S. men's or women's national team game in the World Cup or a big game, inevitably, if the U.S. scores, they will show people down there reacting to the goal going in. Um, so that's a hot spot. Um, you know, Westport, uh, which isn't too far from the plaza, is also a big-time gathering spot. I mean, I, I don't know if it could support a, another separate district for a ballpark and then one for the Chiefs, especially now with the Royals. They're talking about building near downtown. The Royals are still, or the Chiefs are looking, if they build something, it would be right there where Arrowhead is, and, and they'd be on that spot, which um, is not really the bright center of the Kansas City area, you know? It, that, that's a, I, don't, I don't know if both of them can pull that one off. Yeah, I, I mean, I live there, I, and back then, and this was before, you know, lots of things have happened, you know, positively with the economy, you know, in general. But back then, they struck even, you know, downtown was, you know, struggled. Um, mm-hmm. Even, you know, it was nice, but it wasn't anything like Lodo here. Um, so I don't know. I, I doubt that. Now, let me ask you, um, what about the Broncos? Like, DMAC has kind of done a little about face. He, he thinks, I just don't see it. I think, you know, um, I, I don't think I don't think they would have bought the team unless they saw the uh, the real estate value of kind of building a, a little district of their own, um, the Walton Penner Group out somewhere. Um, but but he thinks no, they may just um, you know do something around the, the you know the Brittany Bolin plan or whatever around the current stadium. What do you think? Well, I mean they had they already have the rights to do it at least south of the stadium that was negotiated by. Uh, the team when Joe Ellis was still running things on a day-to-day basis. Um, I mean, I think it just depends on the, on the expanse of, uh, of what they want to do. Um, and on that land, if they got developmental rights, not just south of the stadium, but uh, the, of the surrounding areas, would that be enough for them to accomplish what they want to Accomplish, and, and part of that would be obviously those parking lots. Would uh, you're, you're talking about uh, a, a lot of uh, mixed use buildings and then a lot of parking garages, right, to make up for the loss in uh, just in the acres of, of parking there. So it, it's really early. I mean, I think Damani Leach said this week that they were basically in the first quarter of this, um, and the lease they have gives them time to evaluate what what they want but I mean I mean I I, I really I really don't know what they're what they're thinking I'm, whether it's going to be downtown or elsewhere I think it's just can we accomplish all we want to accomplish on this plot of land uh, on the other side of I-25 from downtown and if that's the case then I think they'll do it there but if not then I think anything is afoot yeah now um also, you were talking about, and this was part of the conversation we were having earlier, um, you, you said something last night on Twitter, like, man, my article from uh, on the Rockies' attendance really kind of looks a little, little silly now. Um, mm-hmm. Rockies are killing it attendance-wise. They have McGregor Square. So I, I think McGregor Square renders this, because we're hearing it more now, like, you're part of the problem. That was something else you were saying. Hey, I'm stuck. Somebody tweeted at you. Hey, would you keep going to the same restaurant if the service, you love the service, but the the quality of the meals started to suck? And you're like, hey, I love baseball. I'm going to go anyway. 
I think now with McGregor Square, I don't know this to be a fact, but I'm assuming that the Monforts have made enough money off that enterprise that they're set now. Like, obviously, if if there were no crowds ever at um, the ballpark, maybe that would be problematic if it was like three years or four years or five years of just abysmal attendance. But other than that, and, and, and we know that's probably not likely to happen. Other than that, I don't think... I think we're past the point of no return with fans really being able to boycott their way into positive change with the Monforts. Um, but I've been impressed with the level of attendance here with the Rockies, given how bad they are. Like, What's your take on that? Well, it's the same things that have always been present. It, this, you know, the summer climate, particularly in the evenings around here is delightful. I mean, I think consistently there isn't a better a better place to spend a summer's evening than Colorado and then particularly at the ballpark. Um, I think what we have seen over the decades is that this going to a game at Coors Field, you know, or a couple of games or three games a year, however many people go to, it's become an integral part of the Colorado summer experience for so many. And I mean, it's, it's a place that's got some, you know, you've got kids who take them out to the playground. If you're in your twenties, you go up on the rooftop and hang out, right? It's kind of the something for everybody as, as lousy as the Rockies have been on the field. And uh, from a baseball operations perspective, from a, from a driving people to the park perspective and turning, uh, turning the stadium from, more than just a place to watch a baseball game, but into a, a into a, a gathering spot that is that is deep in the DNA of Colorado. Uh, it's hard to imagine them being more successful. So I don't. I mean, I, I don't think it's really going to change. I mean, I think where you will see an impact is those early season games where weather is a factor, and uh, and 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 probably and you'll see probably an impact in September during the weeks as well during the midweek games as well. Uh, when it can get a little chilly and the team is out of it. But at this point of the year, I mean, just look at the last two nights. You had the worst team in the National League, the worst team in the American League, and and the and the average attendance of the games was, you know, you know, is thirty to forty five and thirty it was forty five and thirty seven. So the average attendance was forty one thousand a night for those games. Amazing. For the worst teams in each league. I mean and the A's don't have much of a traveling fan base. So it's not like you can say, Oh, it's because the Yankees are in, right? I think there's something profoundly deep about what Coors Field and a, a night at the ballpark has become to the culture of the state. Well, and, it's, and I, I always give D-Mac a hard time because uh, all those fans are there, but but somehow he says they're not Rockies fans if they can't, you know, tick off everybody on the roster. If they don't know all the, you know, uh, the roster inside and out. Go, go, I mean, I don't think you could go to St. Louis and find that everybody could name every player on the roster, and that's considered, you know, you know the you know, quote unquote best fans in baseball, right? Just ask them. So right, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's like, well, if they can't name the starting shortstop for the Rockies, and they're not a true Rockies fan, it's like, well, if they pay yeah. money to get into the park. Well, they're just going there for margaritas. It's the biggest, you know, the the biggest the the thing now that's popular for everybody to say is, or the critics to say is, they're not true fans. They're just there because it's the best bar, the biggest bar in in Colorado. Yeah, and you know, I I get the whole I get the whole reasoning behind that, but the thing is, those are people 
who, you know, they, they, there are a lot of other places to go have a drink on a, on a lustrous Colorado summer evening and you come out here. Those are people for whom if the team puts it together, they're going to be engaged and, and fully involved and immersed in this team. And in the bursts of contention and relevance from the Rockies, We've seen that happen over and over. We've seen we've seen what it's like when this town gets turned on by this team. I mean, that's I mean, I I, I think you know it may seem strange to say it now, and uh, when the Avs won it all last year and the Nuggets the year before, but I uh, basically deep down the Rockies are a very strong number two in this market behind the Broncos, and when they are putting a product on the field that is that is staying in the mix, then the town responds to that time and again. Yeah. Hey, so we had some fun, so a little spicy yesterday, Frank Clark, and there, you know, there's nothing wrong with the comments. I, I, it's it's kind of funny, but um, some truth to it. But the Broncos are not a rival for the Chiefs right now because they don't win. What do you think about that? Um, well, the rivalry, historically speaking, is always going to, to be there, but that's kind of for the fans and the team culture and all that. If you're talking about the players themselves, they're in the now. And so from that regard, I think he has a very valid point. Like if you're the chiefs and you're looking at your schedule coming into this season and you're saying, what are the big games, right? They're not saying the two games against the Broncos. They're saying, Oh, it's when we play, Cincinnati. It's when we play Buffalo. It's when we play the Chargers twice, right? Even they, they probably even they circled the Jaguars game before they circled the Broncos game because they had a pretty tight uh, battle with Jacksonville in the divisional round last year. So it's it, it's sort of the different. It's the difference between the players and coaches who are kind of in it in the moment and the fans and the overall broad spectrum of team culture. There's still a rivalry in terms of what the Broncos and Chiefs franchises are, but for the players who are involved with it right now, for those Chiefs players who know nothing but the Broncos being a team that they've beaten down, uh, that they've beaten 15 times in a row. Some, some have been close, but uh, still 15 times in a row. They're going to they're gonna have a, a view that is based on their own experience. So what, to me, what Frank Clark said, made all the sense in the world. Yeah. Now, so the, my, my natural next question yesterday was, okay, well then if that's to, to be true, um, then who now it'll be interesting when they play the jets coming up in week four or whatever. But then if that's true though, then do the Broncos even have a rival right now that they, they haven't beaten anybody consistently? Well, I mean, I guess, uh, I mean, they've, they've lost to the Raiders six times in a row. Right. I mean, yeah. so can you say the Raiders because of that? I mean, I guess the one reason I'd still say the Raiders is because while the Chiefs have been ripping off division division title after division title, uh, the Raiders, uh, they had the wild card appearance uh, back in 2021, but they're, they haven't had all that more uh, success than the Broncos in, in recent years. So I, I'd say I, I would say that. If if we evaluate the Chargers, it's kind of interesting because the Chargers have been higher up on the food chain than the Broncos, and yet the Chargers and Broncos have played a fairly even series in that time 
even since uh, Justin Herbert stepped in. I mean, since Herbert became the Chargers quarterback, the Broncos have beaten the Chargers 50% of the time. So maybe that's a a little bit uh, more of a a rivalry in that sense uh, than the Chiefs is right now. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, So... Sean Payton said, and, you know, I guess it's, it's cool of him to say it. Like, I like it when he talks, right, because it's more interesting for everybody when people are, you know, a little more forthcoming. But he says he'll be really disappointed if they aren't in the playoffs. But if you look at the AFC, even with that, you know, now that there's seven teams, right, um, mm-hmm. but it's hard, going to be hard to make the playoffs in this conference. Are you confident? that they're going to be in the playoffs. I'm not confident. I'll, I'll be honest with you there. Actually, I hate the phrase, I'll be honest with you, because what does that imply, that I'm not being honest? Well, I, 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 yeah, I'm always leery that you're being honest with me, Andrew, to be honest with you. <laughs> we, we can tell the Mike Shanahan story, right, about how the media always knew if Mike said, well, to be honest with you, he was going to tell a lie. Right. And if it was to be perfectly honest with you, it was going to be a whopper. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, here's what I've been thinking about this. Right now, let's assume quarterbacks stay healthy, the top quarterbacks in the AFC. And if that happens, you can probably put Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Kansas City in Sharpie for playoff spots. And then... Whoever wins the AFC South, almost certainly Jacksonville. It's possible Jacksonville even gets number one seed because they face the most benign schedule of any of the AFC contenders. So that's four spots right there. And then let's – so that's that leaves three playoff spots available for a cluster of teams that includes the Chargers with Justin Herbert, who uh, went last year. Um, the Ravens with Lamar Jackson went to the playoffs last year, even though Lamar got hurt. Um the Steelers, who you can never count out, even though you may look at uh, their QB situation with Kenny Pickett and be underwhelmed. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. They're going to be in the mix. Uh, the Browns are a complete wild card with Deshaun Watson, but if Watson can get back to something approaching what he was in Houston, they're in the mix. You've got Miami that made the playoffs last year out of the AFC East. You've got the Jets with uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, coming in there. So, and even, and you have to even say the Patriots just because you've got Bill Belichick floating around. So basically, you take the Patriots, Dolphins, let me start again, Patriots, Dolphins, Jets, Bengals, Steelers, Ravens, Broncos, Chargers. That's eight teams and only three of them are going to the playoffs. And would you say the Broncos have one of the better sets of odds of those teams or one of the lesser sets of odds? I'd say it's probably one of the lesser sets. I, I gauge their chances at 30%, and it probably relies on the team being much healthier than it has been in recent years, and the and at least one or two of those other teams in that group of, in, in that group of eight that I mentioned having some bad injury luck, losing a quarterback for half a season, right? So it, the Broncos could do everything right, Dan, and be 9-8 and eight and miss the playoffs. Yeah, and then you had said if they do that last week on the show, you, you, if you were running the team, uh, you cut bait on Russell Wilson, and then and then where does that leave him? 
Ah, well, it depends if nine and eight is with Russell Wilson being spectacular or Russell Wilson being uh, somewhere between where he was last year and uh, where he was in his uh, Seattle years. They're like, is he a mid-tier quarterback? And also, the other thing is how you get there over the course of the season matters because is he ascending steadily over the year, getting better as he becomes more familiar with Sean Payton's system? Or is, does he regress? Does he get off to a hot start and then fade? I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's not like a straight line, right? It's, it's either a squiggly line or it's a very uh, gray area type uh, set of circumstances. All right, Andrew, tell us what you're working on for denversports.com. Well, uh, I'll probably have something here from the ballpark today. We're going to have something from uh, De- on denversports.com here in a little bit about uh, Aaron Rodgers making some uh, pointed comments uh, in the direction of Sean Payton after uh, uh, Payton's comments earlier this week. So Aaron Rodgers was on NFL Network this morning. So we'll have something on that. Oh, what did he uh, say? Oh, um, let me find it here because I was literally walking up to Coors Field and I got a text about it. said, Aaron Rodgers uh, had a sit-down with Peter Schrager of uh, NFL Network. It ended with Rodgers saying Payton needs to, quote, Keep my coach's name out of his mouth, unquote. <laughs> uh, so week week five is getting a little spicier. Spicy. Yeah. I and love uh, and also I uh, caught up with Aaron Patrick, uh, who's coming off a torn ACL uh, yesterday after a Broncos practice. And uh, maybe not today, but uh, tomorrow I'll have a little uh, piece up on him and uh, where he stands in his recovery and getting all the way back. All right, fantastic. We'll keep an eye out for it. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time. No problem, Dan. Good talking to you. All right, that's Andrew Mason from denversports.com. If you want to react to him, your chance is coming up next. Judge, jury, execution. Okay, that got really dark fast. Now back to his honor, Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver Sports Station. 1043, the fan. All right, I'm going to read this text because I, I got to be honest with you, I love the last two sentences of it. When the cameras give us a look around the crowd at Coors Field, by far the majority of people are stuffing their face with food and drink, socializing with neighbors, or on their phone. Doesn't matter if it's a full pitch count. By the way, I, I find that, though, the, the people on their phones, I mean, that's anytime you see any crowd. Right? Like, there's always people on their phones. Um, which, by the way, let me bring this up now. Let me bring this up afterwards. Doesn't matter if it's a full pitch count. People don't care. It's always been this way. Attending a Rockies game is the exact equivalent of going for a picnic at the park. It's all about socializing in the sun with food and drink. The game is secondary and not all important to the majority of those in attendance. And keep in mind... When I state my opinion, it automatically becomes fact. That's how science works. Okay, there's there's a few things there. Now, I agree with you about the uh, socializing and the fun with uh, the sun with food and drink. My theory, which also must be fact, is um, people that they go to the ballpark and since they're outside in the sun, they feel like they're doing something either healthy or fun or they're exercising. They're doing something productive like camping or hiking. Because you're outside. You must, we must be getting some health benefit, right? Even if you're slugging nachos and either beer or a you know, giant soda, $15 soda, like it's got to be healthy, right? You're outside. 
You're in fresh air at least, right? That's always been my theory too. But that doesn't mean you're not a fan. Fans, you know, come in all shapes and sizes. Now, I do like that. It says, and keep in mind that when I state my opinion, it automatically becomes fact. That's how science works. I get, you know, here's what I get a lot. I was actually talking to DMAC about this. Now, I am hired for my opinions on this show. That's I, I'm hired to be a talk show host. That's what I'm here for. But the, it's a very, very tiny bit. Just a very, just a very few amount of you. Sometimes I rub the wrong way, and and one of the criticisms I do get is, I just you know the the people will say, well Dan thinks he's the smartest per- person in the room, and I never say that, and oftentimes I'll admit I'm an idiot, right, or I don't understand things, and I'll ask you, and and you know sometimes I feel a little foolish, and I'll say I don't understand this. Can you explain this to me, texters or listeners? And you guys will text in and you'll explain it to me, particularly on areas of science and things like that. And I was, you know, when I was hosting with DMAC a few weeks ago, I said, DMAC, I get this all the time. I bet you get this too. And I don't feel this way. I never feel that I'm the smartest person in the room. I've never felt like I'm some genius or anything like that. And um, I, I said, I bet you get that all the time, too. And, and D-Max, I said, do you feel like you're the smartest person in the room? He said, no. I do feel like I'm the funniest guy in the room. But I said, all right, D-Max. But, yeah, that's just, you know, kind of the way it works. Is You know, I don't, you know, listen, I, I was just raised to, you know, speak confidently. I don't know. I, I can't apologize for it. I'm not going to be like Sean Payton and fake apologize for it. If I say something, I tend to believe it. I'm going to say it with some conviction, I guess. And for some people, you know, like maybe it rubs you the wrong way. I'm sorry. Give me another chance. You'll you'll agree with me at some point. So it's kind of funny. Now, this other thing, because I've been meaning to ask this, because this is kind of going on in our house. It says, you know, he talks about people socializing with their neighbors on the phone. What's the etiquette for the phone, and when you're watching TV, and you're in the room with somebody watching TV. See, I think that when you're um, watching TV on your phone, it's just like watching TV, like a big-size TV. Like, it, it has audio, right? And so for me, it's an etiquette thing. Like, you can't... If somebody's sitting there in front of their TV, you can't walk in with another television and just turn on the audio and start watching another television, right? Now we got Sean and Sydney behind the glass. I want to know your guys' thoughts on this. Is it a faux pas to come into another room where somebody is sitting down and watching an actual television and then to fire up your phone and start watching YouTube or TikTok on full blast with audio? Yeah, Dan, if I could chime in for just a second, yes. I catch myself doing that all the time. Like I'll watch and maybe that's because of being a, a board operator. You know, you have to listen to two to three things at one time. So I'll find myself watching maybe baseball highlights in the background. And then the and then immediately after that, I'm watching an interview on YouTube of boxing or some sort just because uh, I feel like my attention span is being. And then I have to cognizy, t- cognizy tell myself like. Let's let's slow down, Sean. Let's watch maybe one thing and, com- and like compartmentalize just one thing. Now, I'm not talking about now. If you're in your own living room by yourself, you can do whatever you want. I'm talking about. All right, so you walk into 
I say, Sean, come on over, man. We're going to watch. Like last night, there was a fight on, right? Yes, sir. It was a boxing match. Come on over, man. I ordered the fight. Come on over. And you're like, dude, uh, thanks for the invite. I want to do it. And then you walk into my living room and just open your phone and start doing all that with the audio up. I think that is incredibly rude, and I would never do anything like that. All right. And you, Miss Miss Cora, what's the decorum? Um, yeah, that's that's weird. I wouldn't do that. And what? And so, well, what if you're in a relationship, though? Like, all right, let's say, all right, take out you're invited to somebody's house. What if you're in your own house, and you know it's your your significant other, whoever that may be. You know, you've lived with them a long time, and you're hanging out. Is it okay then to fire up? Which I consider, you know my thoughts, I consider it's like dragging a whole other TV in there. I can't listen to two TVs at once. But your guys' thoughts. No, I, I never do that. I never, like, scroll through videos in front of my significant other with my volume up. I never do that. Ah, I just pop on a, a good set of headphones or earpod or some sort if I'm going to, like, listen to something else that's more pressing than what's... Uh, being played in front of me in the living room or wherever I'm at at the time. Ah, so headphones maybe might be a good solution. But yeah, Dan, ear- earpods for sure. A lot of people do that, though, and it drives me nuts also. See, are you with me? It drives yes, you nuts? I hate it. Yeah, It's like touching somebody's radio in the car. Ah, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> now, would you be offended if I said, uh, hey, Sydney, do you mind putting your headphones in if you're going to bring out, drag another television into my living room? No, no, I wouldn't be offended. I would think that was funny. I would say that. <laughs> Put That's common courtesy. Uh, common courtesy. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, I, I, won't, I will say no more as to why I'm asking that question. I'll just do a victory lap in my mind as to uh, why I was asking that question. All right, uh, some more of you on the text line. I want to get to the conversation. And, um, yeah, I haven't gotten to it yet. I actually have a nice little story. I uh, ran into Woody Page the other day. Um, I actually had a good day over at um, the training camp. Um, keep pushing it off because we keep talking about other things on the show. But if I have a chance, I'll get to that. Coming up next.